We're still paranoid about air travel. So we did a road trip around uh, Kentucky and Missouri. And one fun thing to do is get Airbnbs on farms. Like, there are a lot of Amish around. That seems like the perfect way to start it. Welcome to Glow Getters. My name is Tinjin Gu. I'm Haishin Chen. Joshua Xu. And this is an unapologetically Asian podcast for Asians. Let's get into it. Yeah, no, it's just a cool place for kids to um, kids to kind of go and run around. I, I missed you, Haishin. You've only you've only described this trip as you went to you went driving around other states, and there were Amish people, and your kids ran around. I feel like many places would fulfill this criteria. Well, no, like, I mean, we, we were traveling through Kentucky, and um, regardless of where we were staying, we just kept running into the Amish. Like, many insights about the Amish, too. Like, uh, we were driving around their community to go and see, like, how they lived and all that kind of stuff. And mostly it was just people doing yard work. It's not all that different, actually. People, like, wearing overalls and hats, doing a lot of yard work. So, you know, expanding my horizons. In some of the the slop shops, they were watching TV. I swear one guy had a tattoo. So Amish living eh, was definitely something that, uh, you know, I guess I was going off TV stereotypes on. But are you sure these weren't just like other white people? Yeah, yeah, they could be. Yeah, like, any any white person wearing like overalls, like, man, your Amish religion here. Like, Tangent. I feel like we should have given Haishing like a false start. Like, oh, we're actually recording now, Haishing, and then just get these things out of his system, and then we record for. And real. then we record, so <laughs> so so Haishing doesn't take us on a tangent. <laughs> no. So we don't get shut down for racism. <laughs> Have you ever met the Amish? Have you ever met, like, chatted with, like, a group of Amish people? I have not. To be, to be honest, I haven't, yeah. yeah. I was expecting it to be, like, you know, like um, like the musical Oklahoma or something like that. Like, <laughs> it was not that. It was just, like, people doing yard work. Is that what you talked about, yard work? No, it was just, I mean, I was like, so, um... Yeah, how's it going? And, and, like, I mean, and they're just saying, like, yeah, we have a, a good buffet here. The buffet was really good. They had really good fried chicken. And, uh, yeah, outside of that, like, I mean, not much different. Just a lot of yard work. I'm not exaggerating on the yard work, I swear. Like, I was driving down, like, the streets of this Amish community, and everyone was, like, uh, you know, taking care of their lawn. But they were using, like, weed whackers and stuff like that. They weren't using, like, you know size and like you know um oh god <laughs> old school oh arm influence what no i was surprised it, it uh it was different from my expectations i feel like you know uh that was a bit of ignorance on my part that's now been uh dispelled did you ask them about why they're allowed to use weed whackers no no i didn't really ask them about like well because i was driving around so i would have had to like get out of my car and then, like, go up to them. <laughs> like, you didn't have a conversation with them either. No, no, I talked to the ones. Who were, I, there, there was like this little, like, kind of town square. This was actually Indiana, but like a little town square. And like, we were around, and they're like, hey, what should we do here? And they were like, yeah, we have a, a quilt store and um, a furniture store, but that closes at five. And we have a um, all day buffet. 
And then, so we went to the buffet, and then we we kind of go went and drove around. It, it was a lot cooler than I'm than I'm describing. Yeah, I think if you had two kids, like you, you would understand Tintin. If I have one kid, that's you know that experience <laughs> is going to be very lacking. <laughs> but I need two. No, no, no. Because one kid, like you can still one kid, you're still like just um, a kid, what a single kid away from you know your single life. You know, being able to kind of go and do whatever, like watch movies, go to festivals, and all that kind of stuff. And you can kind of take one kid to kind of go and do all those things. Two kids is you know. It's just a different story. You're kind of mainly looking for uh, for peace on, on trips. So yeah, two kids is essential. So Tianjin Haixing is telling you that two is one more than one. Yeah, not yeah. sure. Not sure if you got that, but I just want to point out Haixing, you, you are basing your stereotype of the Amish not only on media on a piece of entertainment, but Oklahoma the musical, which is from nineteen like the forties. The 1940s is what you base your stereotype on an entire race of people, like not even anything more recent. No, no, because like, well, no, that's what I was expecting. I, I was expecting that it would be like walking into an old movie. You know, I was expecting to, that I'd be in like, um, you know, like the front yard of Scout's House and To Kill a Mockingbird here. You just see like people kind of, you know, on their tree swings going around and like, you know, ch- chewing on like milkweeds and things like that. But it's not that. That's not, that's not even Amish. Well, the point is that like how I had understood it at certain points, the Amish community, they look at new technology and then they decide if that new technology is aligned or uh, necessary for their community and the way they want to go and live about. So, I mean, I was thinking that I was going to go and see a community that you know, would resemble a community from some of these um, old TV shows and musicals. But it's not that. <laughs> Why are you not having kids, Tinian? <laughs> oh, thanks for, thanks for asking that. Um, <laughs> for, with, with the incredibly long lead-in and then the very blunt question. <laughs> Have your mom started asking you yet? No, not at all. Really? Interesting. Yeah, no questions. Yeah. And, you know, Patrice and I have talked about it, but... It's just, it's not a life decision that we're making right now. A very uh, close to the chest answer. I mean, with our lifestyles mm-hmm. and going coast to coast, uh, it, we just felt like it'd be, first of all, really disruptive to the kid's life. And then also, we we don't have a burning desire to have kids at this moment. But you have a dog. It's, That's not a kid. <laughs> It's like, oh my god! You you take really good care of that dog, though. I yeah. Remember, like Tingen stopped over in Chicago one time, and um, well, he didn't stop over. I think your plane got delayed, right? Yeah. Yep. And so I was like, oh, Tingen, come over. I haven't seen you in a while. Stay stay at our place. And uh, but during that stay, like I mean, it was the condition of that stay was that I had to go out and get like two specific types of dog food, and like yeah, you you had the whole kit for the dog. And like specific feeding times and all that kind of stuff. Like kids, in some ways, are easier because, like, my my youngest is two, and he can mainly kind of you know feed himself. He can he potty trains. That's more for your benefit than it was for mine. Because <laughs> if you would have gone off of the diet, there might have been diarrhea in your house. So that's, you know, I was looking out for you. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I do agree. I feel like just talking to you, Tangent, a few times about your dog and. 
your experiences since you start since you first adopted um it does feel like you would be a very very responsible parent based on how you take care of your dog oh for sure yeah tension would definitely be like a a better parent than i would <laughs> i think you said your your youngest uh alex is two two years old and already potty trained yeah yeah but he's also like he's really um cleanly he, he's like the kind of kid who um he'll like play with a puzzle and then put all the pieces back in the box before he'll go and play in the next thing so oh um, my god i can't take much credit for that <laughs> that sounds like a dream yeah yeah he's really different from uh from his older brother <laughs> actually like yeah the the benefit of um the age gap there is that like the older one kind of just takes care of the younger one mm. like a dwight shirt scenario <laughs> right back to the Amish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Always thinking about Amish people. Well, no, I mean, I had a fantasy there while I was like on the farm that I would just like stay there and like we would be, I, I don't know how we would make money. I guess making quilts and stuff, but like, you know, just on the farm, like making sure our lawns look good. My lawn looks like crap, you know, because like I never take the time to go and like watch the 45 minutes of YouTube videos to figure out like how to take care of a lawn. But, you know, I think I'm just going to let it go until it's just at, like, the the edge of when my neighbors would complain. And at that point, I'll probably hire someone or something like that. Yeah, I actually gave up recently. So I used to do everything myself, um, but I gave up recently and yesterday hired someone to come to my lawn and do spring cleaning service and everything. And, yeah, man, like, I didn't think I was being judged before I did it, even though my lawn didn't look awesome. But, like, the amount of neighbors telling me my lawn looked good after I did it made me realize I was being judged all along. And it's like, it's like a real thing in the suburbs, right? Like people really take pride in it. And it's like, I think something I kind of get, but like, it definitely scares me a little bit. That's what the suburbs are all about. Like, I mean, you're walking around judging other people's houses and like the stuff they have, right? So maybe we're all a little Amish on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Perhaps. But yeah, I did want to ask you, Haishin, about experiences raising boys. Because like, you know, I, I tell the two of you, but the second one is coming. And yeah. having a boy this time and you know, my, my oldest is a daughter. So I don't have any experiences raising a boy. And I don't even feel like I'm like a traditional... Image of manliness, so like I am a little bit worried about how I'm gonna raise this boy. Mm, yeah, I I have not tried to like insert any kind of masculinity into their lives. With that said, Vincent does have his first girlfriend. Wait, how old is Vincent? He's seven now. Yeah. <laughs> what? And it, 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 it's like everyone in his class is dating, which is like it seems a bit early. And, and like, I mean, obviously, it's just like mutual crushes and things like that. So, but uh, the whole idea of dating and um, you know romance is definitely very prevalent in uh, in first grade. Which, like, I mean, I don't recall that. It seems early. Well, you and I fought over a girl when we were both nine, so I guess it's not that far removed. But also, everyone is seven and everyone is dating each other. Like, what well, like, was your first girlfriend? I feel like the first one I can remember, even like kind of, it probably in, in around nine, like third grade, right? And, and and that's just like girlfriend from the like loosest definition of dating, right? I, I guess I mine was a little later, probably like um like eleven or twelve or something. Pigeon. Yeah, I was gonna say the same. Um, probably 12, I think. Like, the story is, so 
Vincent, he had a crush on this girl, right? And then um, this uh, other boy came up to Vincent. Like, the girl told some other boy that she also had a crush on him. And the other boy released the message, right? But then Vincent, like, because he he, he was kind of a shy kid, he sat on it for, like, a week, right? So (laughs) after this girl had done the confession, he just didn't say anything, right? (laughs) For, For, like, a week, right? And so... Then the next week, another boy had a crush on the same girl, um, and that boy tell like confesses to the girl, right? And then the girl, they, the girl and that boy become an item in this first grade class. Vincent then panics, and then talks. He then go and confesses to his second crush in that class, and then those the two of them became an item. So, <laughs> and they, they have a whole agreement because they're both busy with other things. They only play on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays together. But Tuesdays and Thursdays are like when Vincent gets to play with his boys. So this is just a reality show. That's what you're saying. Elementary school dating is just a reality show. <laughs> I don't know. It basically is that for me. <laughs> I'm honestly wilding out that that's a thing. Like, I feel like I have a lot to learn from Vincent. You're like four years away from this. I'm telling you, school is not like we remember it. Like these kids are more sophisticated than us. I don't know, man. I felt like my my main priority during elementary school was learning English and not getting beat up. So I feel like <laughs> I was not going to relate no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably had a different experience. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I know earlier we talked about like life changes and like returning to work and stuff and Haishing, I know you said you're, you're going back like two days a week. Yeah. And Tinjin, when are you moving to uh, back to the East Coast? In a few months, maybe. I just feel like, yeah, since we all last caught up, like a lot has changed. Like for me, like personally, I started a new job. It's completely remote. I'm going to go to the office starting probably in two weeks, but it'll be like the first time I've ever been to the office and the first time I've meeting any of my teammates that I've only talked to through like Microsoft Teams for like the past nine months in person. So it's going to be really wild and I don't know, man. Like, it feels I'm I'm excited to reintegrate in that way, but I'm also like completely just like freaking out that I've lost all social skills and basic mastery of the English language. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys feel feel that way at all? Or? Well, I mean, we we started back, and like one thing I'll tell you to watch out for: people are not the height that you think they are when you're doing the, the hype. Yeah, the height. They're not as tall as you think you are. they are. Because like, <laughs> no, no, because what? you're kind of, like, unconscious. I think, like, everyone's, like, kind of around your height. But that was, like, uh-huh. my first, like, two days. I was like, oh, you're you're way taller and you're way shorter than, than I thought you were. Also, don't tell people about, like, what <laughs> you thought their height was. What is that? But, but you said that was something to watch out for. Like, are you in danger because of that? Or, like... <laughs> No, no, because, like, if, if you're talking to, I'm telling you, like, it's a weird experience. You, you'll have to acclimate it to it because if you're, like, talking to, like, one person I hired, right, um, and this would have been, like, almost a year and a half. So I have, like, a, a working relationship, like, mm-hmm. in, on good terms with this, this individual. But they're, like, 6'3". And so, like, I go in and I'm, like, looking up. It took me a while to adjust is all I'm saying, you know? Josh, Thanks, we're hushing. What <laughs> What Hashim is trying to say is there's no right or wrong way to go in. <laughs> well, I feel like Hashim's way is wrong. But yeah, yeah like <laughs> any other way it would be fine, I think. 
No, that one was over the line, Haishin? Well, no, no, I don't think it was wrong. I think, like, you know, people care that, you know, you're thinking about them. And, you know, like, making assumptions about their height. So, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think like, a, a more reserved <laughs> approach would also be appropriate. Yeah, it's, it's going to be so wild. I feel like, honestly, like, I don't remember a lot of, like, pre the pandemic and now like it's just relearning basic social skills like the idea of going into a crowded bar now is like so terrifying to me it's like why don't people respect personal space and i'm gonna just drink from another glass that someone just drank and i'm gonna just give a handy in the bathroom in the corner like this is this is wrong you guys know what i'm saying yeah josh uh you know yeah they don't do any of their pre-pandemic stuff <laughs> okay okay cool cool gotcha 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 <laughs> You know, what you're talking about, I guess for me, um, in my industry, like we don't have a regular office to go to unless I'm on a show. Um, I'm always having those exact same feelings, what people are going to think that I think that comes with the territory of being a writer. But to, I don't know, I guess to meet on common ground, we just kind of address that up front or just like Jesus Christ like you know really nervous about coming in today and stuff like that I think you'll realize a lot more people are feeling the exact same way that you are and if they're not I mean whatever people are people and I don't think you have to you know give them any more space in your mind than you need to that's like a very mentally healthy answer that's what my therapist keeps telling me too but I still feel like the handy way is probably what I'm gonna open with Okay, yeah, that I mean, you know, it's very upfront, but uh, brutally effective. It's upfront and also uh, front to back and also left to right. Yeah, it's, you still uh, wear a mask when you're doing it too. So yeah, yeah of <laughs> course, you can at least still make eye contact with a mask on. So what else is new with you guys? <laughs> yeah, one post-pandemic thing we've been doing a lot is like going to movies now. And like um, one thing in post-pandemic that I feel like I gotta just get reacclimated to is like, what is the protocol if you have to like go up and go to the bathroom? You have to mm. kind of do that aisle like you know shuffle thing across mm-hmm. past a bunch of people, especially if you have to do it more than once. Because mm. this was not something I was really worried about annoying people on before, but now I'm much more conscious of like other people's reactions, and I also judge people who do it to me too. Or actually, I'm going more often to a movie theater that has just more spacious like aisles now, mm. just for that purpose i feel like that's the direction we got to go in do you think that you should just you know sit in an aisle seat no no the aisle seat it's not centered though i, mean, I care about what people think but not enough to like ruin my movie experience you know right yeah yeah <laughs> I, I assume that. The center of that movie i would eat like i would do way worse things than like shuffle by but speaking of movies you guys watch uh drive my car yet i have not <laughs> yes okay. dude I, okay. I i love it i i really do love it it's way too long but um, it's really it's three hours right that's so yeah. long but there's something about i don't know it's it's um it's long but at the same time it it was meditative for me like watching that entire movie um i felt like it was long yet it was also the exact right pace hmm. yeah and not to give anything away i because you haven't seen it yet but like i think for me i went in like i told you guys i wanted to like it off jump right because it's based on a haruki Murakami short who i love and it references a song by the beatles off my favorite beatles album so it's like a lot of reasons why i'm just like yep i'm gonna love it and even though i went in with that like i found myself just not connecting as well as i would throughout most of it 
but then there were things that I connected with so strongly um, that made me really, really like the film as a whole. I will say though, the length really kept me from ingesting it in one take. I had to take so many breaks because like I, I just couldn't focus. And I don't know, maybe that's a sign of like our mental availability during this really weird period of our lives. But I just could not sit through three hours straight of a movie. Well, I keep starting the movie and then like there's a woman in like an apartment, like glass windows, and she's saying something contemplative. And then I just immediately tune out. (laughs) That's literally the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm (laughs) like, it's that thing. Like, there are a lot of my favorite movies that, like, after I got past that initial point, like, Mm -hmm. I started to really love it. But for some reason, I just can't commit myself to the buy-in right now. I mean, with that said, I I gotta, I'm not really that big of a Mirakami fan. What was your, what was the first Mirakami book you read? The first one, probably, I mean, the first one, might be my favorite one, uh, Kafka on the Shore. That's my favorite Mirakami book. And it was the first one. And after that, I devoured like the rest of his collection back after back. And I think maybe just that process, which aligned with some like personal transformation on my own personal life, like really made his books super iconic in my mind. But yeah, the beginning of that journey was Kafka and the weirdness of it and the tenderness of it is something that I feel like I'll always remember when I think of Mirakami. Yeah, I mean, I think when the first one I read, or in the only one, actually, I've read some of his short stories, but um, it was 1Q84. And that book was very, like, very difficult to get through. I was I was not a huge fan. I, there was, LeVar Burton actually did a podcast on one of his other short stories, which I thought was awesome. It was like a guy who really wants to eat bread. And then him and his wife go to steal bread from a McDonald's. So maybe, yeah, I mean, I've heard like that 1Q84 was actually one of his weaker entries. But like the marketing campaign around that at that time, I was in Asia at that time. Like um, it, it was just everywhere. And like the marketing campaign around it, like made me go and pick it up. And then, I don't know, maybe didn't leave the best taste. Tijin, have you read it? you have any thoughts on that? No. You guys are going to have me go on record. I am woefully underread. I've only read one Haruki Murakami short that I can't remember the title of, and I don't really remember what happened in it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Not for lack of trying either. I, I, I think he's fantastic, but um, I'm just uh, not really well read on most things. So, you know, I'm not going to have an opinion. I feel like you're really well read on literature criticism and also just like screenwriting. You know everything about like the latest like hot script or latest project being developed. So I don't, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. not really well read. That's, that's more <laughs> so to help myself out professionally. Well, the other data point here is after college, we had an email chain. The three of us had an email chain going on where we aspired to start a book club. Then <laughs> we just didn't talk for like. We didn't talk about it ever, in, I guess, until this point. Wait, that's <laughs> then, not true. No, we died. Like, you read the book, and then you were like, hey, guys, this is what I thought of. I think it was called, like, the New York Stories or something. The New York Trilogy. The New York yeah. Trilogy. <laughs> Wait, you, you as in Tinjin or as in me? No, Tinjin. No, I read that. Really? I thought I, I thought Tinjin was the only one. Maybe I'm the only one who didn't read it. <laughs> no, Tinjin and I had a whole conversation <laughs> yeah. on it. Wait, were you part of this thread? I <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I mean, we had that book club idea. Uh, m- maybe I'm out of the loop. Are you guys still doing a book club? <laughs> yeah, just to this day, still talking about the New York trilogy. <laughs> no, because to it. <laughs> because after that book, we moved on to uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. We right. did two books for a book club. Oh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance was like I did read that one. That one was uh, I was just not that into. First impression of that book was a poster of Tim Allen uh, on a poster, like um, holding up that book, and it was encouraging people to go to their libraries and read it. And I read the book, and it didn't seem like what Tim Allen would be reading. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize like it was just this whole piece of fiction. I thought it really would be like applying motorcycle maintenance. It wasn't fiction, though, right? It was. uh, Wasn't it autobiographical? Was it? I felt like, I mean, it's supposed to be like a book on philosophy of life, right? And like, I mean, I agree with you, Haishin. Like when I read that book, I wanted to love it because um, it was so highly recommended by so many of my friends. And I thought it was only okay. And like for me, the reason why, um, aside from Tim Allen, was that it just wasn't, it felt like it was trying to be so nuanced. Like it was trying to be super cute about how nuanced it was when it was talking about one thing, but really talking about life in itself. And like, I don't know, maybe it's like, especially pronouns during the past few years but like i'm just so sick of things being so soft touch like if you want to ask me a question ask me a question if you want to make a point just say the point like i'm trying to have real engagement now and i just don't want any pussy footing around i don't know do you guys feel feel what i'm saying at all no i definitely feel it in, in terms of fiction right now like that's why like all I've been reading for the last year is agatha christie oh man i'm a huge christie fan wait what have you been oh, reading yeah basically all, all, all of them so like all the hercules poirot uh-huh. miss marple i love the miss marple short stories i had never gotten into them before but they are very like it kind of doesn't even matter who the killer is and it's just enjoying like enjoying reading about them talking to other people but, I, mean, I don't know when you're reading them like the substance there can be grasped like a lot more easily <laughs> I don't know, maybe you have a different opinion, though, as a screenwriter, Tenjin. Like, how do you feel about nuance in writing and what you feel for yourself is the right level? Um, right level in terms of when I'm reading or watching something or what I try to put in my work? I mean, super fair points, right? Because, like, the medium and also the topic is going to adjust a lot of what is appropriate in certain settings. But I think just for you, like, I should say for you, if it's a tinging script that you're putting out. I mean, I try to put as much as possible because it's ultimately more rewarding for the reader. And, you know, I'm always hoping eventually the viewer, you know, so that it actually gets made. But at a certain point, all of that gets chiseled away. What I'm working on, the field that I'm in has to be a collaboration. Mm-hmm. And people are going to chime in and they're going to sometimes see things that I don't. Um, or just completely miss the point that I was trying to make. And it's my job to help them understand it. Because when you're watching Mm -hmm. a movie, when you're watching a television show, people have to grasp it, especially now, uh, more than ever, uh, grasp the point pretty quickly because there's so much to watch. So you have to make sure that people, you know, grasp it and are interested in it um, and aren't going to change to something else. What's the harshest piece of criticism you've ever gotten? This is just bad writing. 
<laughs> Wait, what was the context for that? Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that one. <laughs> really? Okay. Not on the record. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you guys off, off, off record. But. You guys um, ever watched that movie, uh, Finding Forrester? Like Sean Connery and the, this young man, um, they have this kind of like writing mentorship relationship throughout the book, and like Sean Connery mentors this kid in terms of writing. That always seemed like it was a cool thing to have. And like I remember Sean Connery like marking up the pages of this kid's book and uh, writing things like um, like constipated over like whole things, whole parts of his. Uh, um, the essays that this kid was writing. I feel like in retrospect, I probably should have appreciated some of the um, the feedback that I would get on essays from teachers more than I actually did in, in like language arts classes. Because now that I think about it as kind of an iterative process, it definitely seems more fun. Now I only get feedback on my PowerPoints, which is less fun, but... Um, that so i mean i was i was thinking like that i in my head i imagine tingent having these scripts and they're all like covered in like red line and someone wrote on the front like dumb face or something like that you know (laughs) (laughs) the world of hollywood is harsh Uh, yeah that is correct (laughs) yeah i don't think i have the i can stomach like criticism to that level but like like you said haishin i think that generally speaks to like how we took criticism as younger versions of ourselves right i think like for me when i was younger it was so much easier to be defensive so much easier to kind of just cast off everything as in the person didn't understand me because they were much older or something like that uh, but now i look back and i'm like oh man th- there was some point to that yeah yeah oh the most fun thing was you remember like doing peer review and you can see like which of your classmates really can't spell <laughs> And you were right, dumb face. <laughs> yeah, I know, dumb face. <laughs> no, I remember like uh, one girl, and this is an essay I was re- like reviewing, but um, one of my friends was reviewing. This girl had written pedophile, like pet-a-file. I-, I wonder what she thought the origin of that word was. But what was the context in which she was using the word pedophile in an essay that you're peer reviewing in college? Oh, it was this thing about like um, your personal hobbies and things you like. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> Wait, no, I have more I questions like than before you answer. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. I don't, I don't know. I didn't, like, uh, all I remember was that part of it. So you were, really were writing dumb face. <laughs> yeah, I think you earlier, you brought up a really interesting point about collaboration and just giving space for other people to influence the final product. This is maybe just me speaking from, like, a very enclosed self-enclosed space um, as a new parent throughout the past few years, but do you too feel like you need people more or less than before the pandemic? I need more of certain people. I think what the pandemic has done for me is has whittled down um, the list of people in my life that are Mm. most important to me. And I would like to spend more time with them. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think about the same. After the pandemic, we definitely crossed the threshold from where we had some friends who didn't have kids, and now all our friends have kids. Um, it, and like the ones who don't have kids are, of course, no longer really our friends that we hang out. With. <laughs> no, because like right now, like everyone we hang out with has kids, and when we're together, mainly we talk about like uh, kids. 
this weekend, right? And I've been like ice skating. I have um, drum lessons. I have other things. I'm not even remembering it right now. But that's like most weekends now. Pandemic was definitely a way to transition into that. So I would say that, like, given that transition, I probably need fewer people that uh, I'm focused in on hanging out with now. Like the people who I'll drop everything to go and hang out with are mainly out of town now. There aren't really that many people I have like a boys' night with in the city of Chicago anymore, which is all right. It's just uh, a different lifestyle, I guess. Yeah, I can I can relate to that. I feel like for me, I may be coming from a place of stubbornness when I'm saying like I don't need people as much as I did before because I can't fully like feel like that's the truth for myself. I do feel like I use this time to mostly focus on projects and things that I've always wanted to improve about myself. And now I have the time. But honestly, like being a parent took up the majority of my free time and also just working on my deteriorating mental health during that time took up the rest of the time. So uh, I guess like my answer is less, but I hope I'm proven wrong. Dude, uh Either of you guys uh, actually learn the skill or do the thing. I kind of learned the ukulele. It's, uh, it's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your, your ultimate review for that. <laughs> I, I started playing the piano again, too. Um, oh, nice. A little, a little bit, yeah. So oh, that's cool. That was, uh, that was interesting. And then um, Vincent's um, got into the drums, so I learned, like, the basics of that. I don't know why the drums always seem, like, impossible to play as a kid, but now as an adult, it seems, like, a little bit easier. What about you guys? I took up 30, uh, like, film photography, specifically 35 millimeter. So I've been shooting digital for a while, and, and I didn't realize how stuck in a rut I was just, you know, shooting the way that I did. And it wasn't until shooting film that made me realize, because I mean, there's only a limited number of exposures. So you kind of just have to go with God or, you know, hope you nailed the shot with film photography that I really enjoy. It just makes me think about it and it makes me a lot more rigorous with my digital photography now. I love that. Yeah, I've been wanting to, it's it's not the same format, but I've been wanting to get into like uh, silver gelatin prints for a while. Um, if I ever want film and kind of process and develop the photos myself. So it's really inspiring to hear you say that. And Hashim, what you said about like realizing things aren't as hard as you thought they were before you did it. And then you just did it and you realize it wasn't that hard. I, I kind of lost my mind around guitar pedals and I bought like uh, around like 20 <laughs> during this period and just really lost myself in like learning how to still maintain the same kind of spirit and tactile feeling of playing a guitar, but processing the sound in a way in which it kind of breaks me out of that rut, like you said, Tinjin. Still going with the music, but in a wholly different way and with a whole different philosophy. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we all got a lot better with our specific projects and definitely, I, I want to I hear you play, Hashi. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I haven't picked it up in, in all that while. Like, I, I'm not exactly patting myself on the back around it, but it, it was fun to get back into uh, into music for a little while there. You know, the guitar is the other thing that um, I should actually just try and go and conquer. Because I remember we got our guitars like around the same time, Josh. I was mm-hmm. like 14 years old. And you actually learned how to play it. I just like let that thing sit in a box. It's actually in my house now. Like, and it's been like 20 years because I'm 35 now, right? And 
That thing has probably been played like uh, a dozen times. Sitting right next to the New York trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) What's the biggest like things that like you did not get around to? Not just during the pandemic, but like in adulthood. I am in so much worse shape than I was before the pandemic. Like, first of all, becoming a parent, so with less time to do it. Second of all, moving into a house at the same time. I didn't have access to the same gym that was like just two floors below me when I was in the apartment before. And then finally, now with like just staying at home all day, I just don't have the motivation to work out as much as I did. So like I've lost a lot of muscle mass during the past two years and like definitely am a lot slower when it comes to running than I used to be. Yeah, I I was actually going to answer the same just on a physical level. Yeah, I just don't feel as strong as I used to. I, and I'm trying I'm trying to be more deliberate and trying to change that right now. Another reason having the dog helps is um, she's a German Shepherd Husky mix and just needs a lot of exercise. So it just gets me up and out to walk her. There was a period, though, where I was, like, you know, doing meetings on the bike and I was, like, lifting weights, like, during meetings and stuff like that but then i had had more meetings that i had to actually like talk and concentrate in yeah yeah actually i did the same my uh during this time i bought a peloton i got sucked into that cult but Uh like it turns out it was just another way for me to feel shame about my body i've only used it twice and every time was like a revelation the two times really Maybe it's like I expect too much out of myself, but like, you know how in Peloton there's that ranking of the people who are taking the same class as you, not around the same time, but just in general. Like, I always feel like I'm like falling short of the spots I'm trying to reach. And I'm like, oh man, I'm not good at basic endurance. And then I feel bad about myself and I don't do it for like weeks. I had a similar experience with uh, Just Dance, the video game. We were picking it up and then uh, I don't know if this was like just... um, like muscle memory from the DDR days or whatever, but like uh, um, was playing with Yo-Yo and then they have this mode where it's just online competitions where you're dancing against other people. And like people online can't dance for shit because I was, I was smoking them, you know, and like, out of shape <laughs> as I am. I was doing awesome in it. And so that was exciting. But then like, if you actually watch like what you look like when you're doing Just Dance, it, that quickly... <laughs> Grounds you back into reality. <laughs> Isn't that how Alex happened, Haishing? Uh, what? Like, <laughs> After Ruth caught your Just Dance move, she couldn't. Yeah, I know. We, we, <laughs> in a violent, like, spur of romance, we, <laughs> we decided to have another child. <laughs> we must have the best genes in the world. Look at how much we're dominating this Just Dance. <laughs> Do a sequence where we pitch Tinjin on on a, a new uh, show he should write. Look, look, me and Josh will just pitch you on uh, on a random idea. Uh huh. And then you pick the winner, and that's how we'll close. Okay. <laughs> but you have to you have to explain in detail why you picked that winner. Okay. Okay. But you have to write one of these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and after you after you pick the winner, you have to develop it. No, this could be a thing, right? Like, uh, we'll we'll do it across podcasts, but like at the end of. I don't know, 20 podcasts, you, you you have to actually pick one of them and you have to write it. Okay, so we'll make it sequential, right? Haishin, ours is a serial then? Like each episode we, we add to our story? Or we, we can, I was thinking like we could pitch him new ideas. So over the course of 20 episodes, he gets 40 ideas and he has to write one of them. But Josh, the ideas <laughs> oh. have to be really, like, really stupid. Tinjin, it has to be like at least like um, 
a hundred pages if it's a movie script. Six episodes if it's like a <laughs> six <movie> episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the time, Josh. You have one. Uh, wait. So are we doing the serial thing or the forty? Either way. Small ideas. Either way. Okay. Let me think. This is honestly a personal project, um, but. <clears throat> I've always been intrigued with the idea of a group of unlikely people pulled into one single mission, similar to like, what was it, Seven Samurai, where they had the little glass balls? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like a Japanese film, Eight Warriors. Oh, it was Eight Warriors. They have glass balls that stand for an idiom in in Japanese. And then they are all like samurais or ronins. And then um, they all had to fight against like a corrupt emperor or something. Does that ring a bell to anyone? That sounds like a few movies. Not, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's definitely not original, but you guys get that concept. But like, I've always been intrigued idea with the idea of like a similar thing happening. For some reason, the thing that brought people together is really stupid. Like, for <laughs> example, um, like when I was little, I was obsessed with this particular series of Batman toys called Crime Squad, and they all had like individual armors that serve individual purposes and in specific specialized missions or whatever. Like one is in space, one is underwater and stuff like that. Anyway, I thought it would be really cool to develop an idea if like five people who don't know each other, who aren't particularly noteworthy in any way, got pulled into becoming almost like Power Rangers because they each own one of these stupid Batman action figures and they just hate it the whole time, but they, they still have to work together. Oh, so they 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 hate each other, but they have to but they have to work together to go and fight fight evil. Uh yeah, or or like um inflation or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're fighting, but like I did. Batman is what's important to me. Like okay. the World Economic Forum. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my my idea um is about let's say anthropomorphic tools. So there's like a Mr. Hammer and like a, a Mrs. Screwdriver and uh, a Grandpa Wrench and all that. Is this sexual? This feels sexual. It's not. It's not sexual. It's and they like. Well, maybe, maybe we'll see how it goes. But like, oh, <laughs> anyway, they live in this little boy's garage, right? And um, the little boy calls on them to go and fix things like um, other kids' bikes, right? And um, every year, the little boy, he moves to a new place, and all of the tools get, um, kind of, they, they get changed somehow. Maybe they have, like, uh, a different grip, or they become a different color. And at that point, you sell the toys for that year, right, in the stores, right? So the- Wait, this is Toy Story. This is Toy Story that you're talking about. No, 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 no. It's, not, it's not Toy Story. It's, to- like, a Toy Story with tools. But every story. <laughs> no, no. But in, in every year, the the toys change like aesthetically in a very minor way, and then you you like King and Goo in the real world. Actually, you you know, we we then go and launch like a new line of the toys. So, anyways, yeah, that that's a big thing. They um, little boy uses tools to go and fix things, and his enemy is a crocodile. So <laughs> that's the that, that's the story. Which one do you think is better, Tinja? Yeah, you have a lot to work with here, Tinja. <laughs> it, it's uh, based on the two pitches. There's uh, you know, there's more to be fleshed out for sure. <laughs> oh, so you don't want to make it this just mean? yet? Give us your reaction though. There's there's more to be fleshed out. Uh, you know, cool. <laughs> Tool Story is way too similar to Toy Story. 
and way too similar to also um, Sausage Party. It's one of those things where uh, Tool Story, it sounds like it's a kid's film. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, yeah, Mr. Hammer, Screwdriver, and they fight uh, Dr. Crocodile. Yeah. The doctor now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, yeah, no, and the main character is named after you, Tinja. Yeah, I, th- I think from okay. a from a from a bu- business perspective, um, Hai Shings has is going to have more mass appeal, but you know that's uh, it's just way too similar to a lot of uh, Pixar movies. Josh, uh, I like the I like the ragtag group. Um, if there was more specificity in terms of what they were fighting against, at least we got to, um, was it crime squad? That's, that's what they have Mm -hmm. to put together and fight. Mm -hmm. I I really like that. I like how goofy that is. That's really funny. Um, I, I am, Uh, I am drama engine. It's really serious. (laughs) (laughs) Then, then in that case, I have to go with I have to go with Aishin. Wait, 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 wait! What, more if, to be what it if, out only with what if we job. also sell the toys? We sell the Batman Crime Squad toys. It's going to be a lot harder to sell sell toys from um, from a heart wrenching <laughs> drama than it will from 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 like an action comedy or a, you know a kids movie that you know has uh, a little bit more commercial appeal Tinja, if you had to write a villain for batman crime squad how would you write it like a sex crazed barbie <laughs> it could it could be that's really going to narrow it down even more and you know what do you mean everyone <laughs> loves this <laughs> that's that's gonna that's gonna make it a lot harder for um for other people to uh, to get on board with this, and also uh, it sounds like licensing is going to be very expensive. No, but with the dramatic overtones, like the first year you sell like all eight toys, and then the second year you're, oh. you're only selling like three. I love this. I because five are dead. No, I love it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, like, I'm with you. I'm with you. And one of the three is pregnant, too. <laughs> okay, okay, I like that. I just feel like all of these criticisms, Tenjin, are harsher than this is just bad writing. I gotta let you know. <laughs> yeah. This is really hurting me, man. You're really boxing in the creative process. This is a problem with yeah, Holly. I don't like this at all. Pretty yeah, it, I mean, it's true. I'm, 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 you know, I'm giving really bad notes here because I'm, uh, I'm not adding to it, you know? It's not constructive, but this is... This is this is the brain that you're getting today, guys. <laughs> this is probably our best episode, yeah. I gotta say. Well, I mean, Josh, we'll have this to look forward to because in like 20 weeks, right? So you know, towards the latter half of this year, Tinjin will start working on one of these two ideas. Oh. I'm committed to mine. I'm not going to change it. It's you know, cool <laughs> okay. crocodiles and nothing else. So we gave oh, the perfect. premise this time. Next time you get to find out what happens about like the Batmans and the and the and all the anthropomorphic tools. So everyone, you have that to look forward to. Yep. Thanks. Bye. For all right. Listening to I don't even know what this podcast is called anymore. Glow gutters, man. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, and please, we'd love to hear from you. Catch us at glowgettersaa at gmail.com, also glowgettersaa on Twitter and Instagram.